been it's been way too long since we've had beverages on the podcast. I mean, it used to be such a frequent thing. We thought about changing the name to Good Drink, Sir. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it was a thing. And people complained about about not, uh, you know, getting a, a drink thing. For, for us not doing the the pod, the segment. Oh, what'd you bring to drink? Well, yeah, because we used to do that all, all the time. Yeah. So what'd you bring to drink? Well, I brought several things. Um, first one is called... Can you see? Can you read this? <laughs> Wussy? Yeah. <laughs> Canned March 8th, John. March 8th. Oh, we got to drink that. That's, that's past his prime. This is a, <laughs> I believe, a German Pilsner from our friends at Stone. Stone Wussy. Let's look that up. Where's drink Stone at? It, uh, Escondido? Somewhere in California. They're not the ones doing the toilet beer, are they? Or is it, wait a minute, is this who you, oh, this is who you call in wussy. You, you didn't see that part. Oh, I didn't know. And actually, technically, it's not Stone, because they spun off uh, Arrogant Bastard Brewing from Stone. Oh. And so I guess this one is under the Arrogant Bastard label. And, it, and it, it was Stone that was doing the toilet beer. So here's the description of this beer. Far too long, the tyrannical, industrialized beer overlords have disgraced and cheapened the noble heritage of the Pilsner with their relentless, multi-generational downward drive to commercialized homogenization. Over decades, this once-vaulted style has been slowly and methodically gutted, bringing forth a soulless and anemic result, all the while spending billions in advertising to convince the unwitting public that their fizzy yellow end result was beer. Well, I will, ha- I will not have it. We are striking back for true craft beer by stealing the Pilsner back from their evil clutches and restoring it to its almighty glory. Who's they? They do it cheaply. We do it right. BMC. Are we talking about some Rocky Mountain runoff here? Yeah. Bud, Bud Miller and <laughs> Coors. Choose va- uh, vapidity or choose righteousness, but whatever you do, choose wisely. Uh, scores pretty well. So, so what happens if, if I drink this and I go, yeah, this tastes like, uh, this tastes like a, a Bud? Um, that's fine. Whatever it tastes like to you. I mean, for for all that grandstanding, and you'll show goes, everyone, yeah, you'll yeah. show everyone how discriminating your palate is. Well, no, I'm just saying, we'll just discriminating palate. Whatever yeah. that that whole thing's been proven a myth, anyways. The whole palate thing. What What are you talking about? I'm talking people about wine, have, people. Well, have, I'm talking about wine connoisseurs who, who who think they can taste high quality wine, and then they get they get given a blind taste test. They they choose the crappiest one. I don't know which one you're talking about. I I've, I saw that, but that's that's actually a bunch of crap. I mean, people have vastly different olfactory capabilities. I'm sure it's more than just taste. It's smell. It's everything else. But I am nowhere near that level. I'm trying to chug my water here to make room in my pint glass. All right, I'm gonna drink out of the, my whiskey you ready? glass. So it's got to fit in my whiskey glass. Isn't there a thing for people that like like sounds? Isn't that like a thing? They have some kind of weird fetish about sounds, like. Well, there's misinfo- misinfonia, which is so. th- well, that's when you have problems with sounds. Like, okay. I, th- I have a little bit of that. Like people's chewing noise really bothers me. <laughs> no, but there's another thing where like they they hear sounds. They it I don't know. It's weird. Well, that's just called being crazy. I guess. <laughs> All right. Sure, smells good. Mm. Smells like a bud. (laughs) (sighs) 
which is definitely not a bud. <laughs> <clears throat> Honestly, I've, I haven't had one in probably for never. <laughs> if I had to guess, so I wouldn't know. I'm guessing this does have some, some you know, classic you know, noble either German or Czech hops like Saws or Hallertau or something. But I also would bet that this has some American hops in it too, like maybe some Cascade, yeah, or Centennial <clears throat> because it's really hoppy. It is, and it's that, that's what I think that's what's making it. I like it. I love it. <laughs> I want some more of it. Uh, so so we, you, you keep avoiding this toilet beer thing I keep bringing up. Does that not interest you, that subject of making uh, beer on. from recycled water? Hang on, John. Salesforce. Okay, go okay. ahead. What is it? I don't know about the toilet beer. Yeah, it's, it's some kind of gimmick. Uh, we're, uh, so I guess they're trying to prove that recycled water, because I guess right now in, in most places when water, waste water gets t- sent to the uh, waste treatment center, it gets put back in the system, like just gets run off again. Yeah, they clean it to make sure it's not going to hurt anything, and then they run it off. But now there's this new thing where people are saying, "Well, why don't we keep it instead of running it off? Let's let's recycle it, clean it, and then stick it right back in the tap." Right. Well, there's the concept of gray water. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. That's um, yeah, toilet to tap. Yeah. I now this that'd be funny. This wasn't stone, was it? Yeah. It was stone. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. They said that was. They said that was a bunch of crap. Who said it was a bunch of crap? Stone did. Like but it's not toilet. The, the, to sorry, the story was a bunch of crap. Not what goes into their beer. <laughs> <laughs> it is recycled water, though. They're not. I don't think they're using recycled. No, water. no, they're not. But they did this. They did this one-off batch of beer. They did using water that came from the water treatment. Okay. That, that basically it was meant. It was wastewater that was. Recycled, cleaned, and then oh, okay. they took that water. I guess to kind of, it was a publicity stunt to, I, I think, encourage the idea that you know we should be drinking this water, not okay. just running it off. <clears throat> so yeah, gray water is is um, wastewater that doesn't have like basically fecal material. <laughs> so let's say there's water, for example, at a car wash, that water that's that is reclaimed. That's rec- uh, maybe it's, is reclaimed water is a, is a better term. Maybe, but. Yeah, it's 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 not like sewage water, like it's not toilet water. It doesn't have human waste. It's it has been used and it may need to be cleaned or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad as sewage. So it can be reused for certain other purposes. Obviously not human consumption, but other things like cleaning. Like I I know that car washes can re- they basically it's built in, they recycle and they they have so it goes through some kind of like basic filtration, but then it's used to clean other cars. It just they keep recycling that. So yeah, that's the thing. <clears throat> That was a thing. Speaking of uh, beer and things related, uh, I think we have some updates on Texas Dreaming. So I'm I'm booked. You're I know you are. You have a room reserved. I don't know if you know that or not. Did you uh, ever figure that out? No, I haven't figured. You have a good it out rate yet. too. You have um two hundred bucks or something like that at at the Driscoll. I couldn't even get a room there. There, there's no rooms left. The oh. the yeah. Well, but I, I need I need a room. No one reserved no one reserved a room for me. So. Uh, yeah, I'll have to work that out because I need the room for four day for for three nights. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, three nights. Yep. So I'll, I'll need a next room. Otherwise, I'm I'm bunking with you. Yeah, that's uh, that's fine if you need to. We're staying at the Hilton, which is about three blocks away. I think. Yeah, point four miles. <clears throat> but yeah, I was able to get a decent rate on that. Too. Um, under two hundred, I think, including parking. Parking is an issue in downtown Austin, by the way. So just count on that. 
you're probably going to have to pay 30 bucks a day to park. I'm planning on just taking a cab down there. <clears throat> you can ride with us. Are you driving? Yeah. You're driving down I Austin? thought we were flying, but I was corrected. And we're driving. Because you don't save that much time between having to wait at airports and dealing with all that crap. So yeah, we're driving. I guess. That's the plan. Well, I'll go in and half on gas so we can drive together. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm booked. You're you're booked, although you didn't know it. Um, we're still putting together plans for Thursday the Thursday night. So that's the <clears throat> that'll be the good day, sir, meetup. Um I've got a buddy of mine who lives in Austin who's putting together like all these options for us. Mm-hmm. In fact, funny thing, he didn't know where this he didn't know where the Salesforce event was. And the first thing he recommended for to do at our meetup was at the Driscoll Bar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an option. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how busy it will be already, so we may have to just go ahead and plan on something else. I'd imagine that with that, that being the hub of everything, that we might need to plan yeah. for somewhere else. Yep. If we want good service, if we want to be able to stretch out and have a decent number of people. But there's several other you know, things nearby that would work. Also, we need to figure out if we want to like, you know, do it over dinner or after dinner. I'm thinking after dinner. The get-together? Yeah. Why not like a happy hour right afterwards and then before we could. dinner? Before dinner? Yeah. Okay. That that might make sense. <clears throat> but yeah, there's several, I think, places that have, you know, they're good for happy hour around there. And then I think we might even have a sponsor, although I won't, I won't announce anything yet. <laughs> Do you know about this? Uh, I think so. Yeah. A, a sponsor for our, our happy hour. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll we, we'll discuss that if if that gets uh, formalized. But uh, yeah, I think it's shaping up. Um, we are um, Scott Wells has been he provided a bunch of good information on breweries. I had a few that I knew I wanted to hit, uh, but he like put together this pretty <clears throat> pretty big list of like because he's a he's a he's a pretty you know big beer nerd. I, I would say he's a home brewer as well. I knew but, there was something about him I liked. Right. <laughs> but um, no, he, he put together a good list of breweries and then also like which ones have good food nearby and that kind of thing. So I That's think cool. I want to try to put together a schedule. And then for everyone who is going to be doing the, that whole drive around Austin to breweries on Saturday, um, they can, I figure we can try to start out together, you know, and have a route. And then if people just want to, if they want to stick together, great. Or if some people start, decide they want to peel off and do something else, that's that's fine too, whatever. But everyone is welcome to do all of those things. It's also your birthday. Friday is, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeremy's turning into an older man. Well, we were planning... I thought we'd all chip in and get you a walker and some tennis balls to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are those actually tennis balls? Yeah. I guess those just... I, they just work. They just happen to be... their work, and yeah. they happen to be mass-produced for this sport called tennis... And so they're cheap. Yeah. So why you know why go to the medical supply store and get some expensive thing when you can when you can just use tennis balls? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they always use just those plain lime green ones. Like I would get some cool color though. When I'm an old dude, I'm gonna have a cool color for my <laughs> tennis balls. Hopefully by then technology will have taken over and we'll be f- flying. We'll have like little hover thingies. That would be nice. Like Back to the Future. Yeah. And he was except inverted because right. he was hanging upside down for yeah. his back for some reason. So what do you what do you think of the beers so far? good. What was I like calling? Um, Who you calling a wussy? Who you calling a wussy, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Stone's funny. They've always had funny names. You know, Arrogant Bastard and whatever. I think my favorite is still Hoof. 
Hearted. Hoof hearted. Yeah. Hearted. Yeah. Hoof hearted. Hoof hearted. Now say that fa- three times fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There that's hard to get. I have to, you know, rely on my beer hookups to to get to try those. I've right? never had it. I just like the name. <clears throat> in Ohio. At least I don't think I have. They're really small. But they make some damn good beer. All right, uh, let's move along. Um, any other front matter? Um, no reviews, but we do have a question. But I think I'll save that for later. Let's get to some fun stuff. Let's talk about uh, April Fool's since that just happened. Well, okay, I'll let you spend a few minutes on that. But that was four days ago. <laughs> so it's, and by the time people hear this, it's going to be like a week later. So how about your, what was your favorite one? Well, we have categories. So my favorite one from Salesforce, I think, is the one that got me is the S-controls are coming back. I honestly don't believe that got you. It did. Wow, you are <laughs> you are one of the most gullible people I know. So Well, no, because... You, you think it's okay for... to you, for, uh, you think the advertising has no f- effect. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I did not put it past them. It was, it was, it was worried. Well, here's the other thing that got me is, is the timing that it was posted because uh, it was kind of... I think it was before... It was like Friday... When it was okay. actually posted, mm-hmm. but but at the time zone that it was created, because this was this was um uh, who is this Radnip? Where is he at? He's in UK, right? Yeah, is that what's his name? Francis something? Yeah, yeah, I think he's in UK. So Francis Pendar. Yeah, so so his time it was full April Fools, but our time it wasn't yet, and so it was on the edge, and and people a few people had sent it to me, and uh, without context, and, I, and I'll admit it got me a little bit. <clears throat> I didn't. I didn't see any great Salesforce ones, but uh, there were some good ones in Bob general. Bob Buzzard's but. trigger develop trigger driven development was funny. I liked it. Yeah, it was funny. It was just it was long. So it, it was long. It was almost like a like you took a best practice of triggers and then find a replaced like, or I'm sorry, t- test driven development and then, and then um, finally replaced it with a uh, trigger development. Yeah, but, I don't know. That was funny. Yep. <clears throat> uh, one that almost got me because I think it's actually not a bad idea was uh, Twelve South's Air Rings. Okay. Did you hear about that? No. So, you know the Apple EarPods, the little toothbrush-looking things that yeah. just stick in your ear? Uh-huh. Well, they put out this ad for for little accessories that you could put on it, and it makes them look like earrings. And it was done well enough with models and, and nice-looking jewelry that I was like, hmm, that could be a thing. <laughs> there was one thing that got me, and it was a local one. It was... Um, it was like a the local news broadcast, and someone had, someone had Photoshopped this in. It looked legit, though, but it was that they found an alligator in one of our... Oh, you you got to be our... skeptical of every alligator. <clears throat> well, it just, it's like, one, it seems believable. It's like, yeah, they have been, you know, moving, you know, spreading geographically. And it looked real, so that, that got me. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that was it. The only the other, other one that I really liked um, was the Honda's uh, emoji horn. <laughs> I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, so on your steering wheel, you have like all these buttons and they're each an emoji, which, okay. which is one of those things that I think would, we all wish that we could, like, you know, have some kind of button that we could press to say hi, thanks, or, or F you. Right. <laughs> but I just think that would cause more confrontations. There is an in, uh, an in real life, I can't say that, emoji for F you. You do know that, right? <laughs> an IRL F you? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, okay, d- was the story that the, uh, different emojis had different sounds or what? How did this, how did they translate to your horn? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see the video. I just saw the, the picture. Well, yeah, I, di- I didn't get into it that much. I just, I just liked the idea of it. It was an idea that I was like, oh, that could be. You know when they do these April Fool's things and you're like, that actually might be a good thing. Like like the whole uh, drunk email thing that Google did one year. Yeah. 
uh, that would delay your email right. until the next day. <laughs> and then that turned into a product. <laughs> yeah, because you could <laughs> you could do that now. <laughs> uh, so some of these are pretty funny. Uh, well, Google did the whole Pac-Man on Google Maps thing. That was pretty fun. Although that's not really an April Fool's. I know. Th- there are some things that just aren't April Fool's, but it was just a little gimmick. Yeah, but. it was funny, but... Uh, so John, breaking news. Uh-oh. Trailhead X early bird registration is here. I don't think I'm going. That sucks, dude. Should I buy it just in case I get crazy and just decide to show up one day? Don't you get in free because you're an MVP, all fancy pants? I don't think so. No? No. Let's see. Four ninety nine. What a bargain, John. <laughs> that is a bargain compared to room <laughs> and board. Know. And food and travel. See, Salesforce thinks that everyone is on San Francisco pay scale. Yeah. And they, everything is adjusted for that. <laughs> hey, they got they got a tower to pay for, buddy. It's like, dude, that Dreamforce Pass is more than my mortgage. Okay? It's going to be a hard sell to my <laughs> wife. Because I don't have an employer paying for this. <laughs> yeah. And Benny Hoff's like, well, but what? I have, you know, mansions all over the country, in the world. This isn't, you know, shouldn't be any big deal, you know? Two, two grand to get in the Dreamforce? That's no. nothing, right? That's like, he probably has that in his pocket right now. That, <laughs> that'll pay for his mustard burgers for the next week. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, but we yeah. are talking about Trailhead X, not Dreamforce. Yeah, Trailhead X. So that was that's, 500. Yeah, I think Dreamforce is what, up in the like 1,000, 1,200, something like that? Well, and considering that I'm going, I'm considering going to Trailhead X instead of Dreamforce, right? That is a much better value proposition. It's only like two days though. So it's not, it's like, which I think is fine because I think Dreamforce, I think a week of Dreamforce is too much anyway, but. So I, I would rather go to a two day con two maybe maybe three day conference. Isn't I'll, that have, what? I'll have to read the re- the refund policy because I may I may at least register. Yeah. On the chance that I do end up making it, right? It's it's just hard for me to fathom that I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Texas Dreaming and then I'm gonna go on vacation and then I'm gonna come back and then I'm gonna turn around and go right back on a plane. It's in June, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it helps for me that I'll already be out there. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I do have a so last week I talked about you know the, how I got that Roku. Didn't I talk about that? Did I? And yeah. I was really happy with it because yeah. it plays my Plex stuff and everything. Yeah. Well, it turns out that there's a little bit of a, a catch here, <laughs> which is that did I already talk about this? How I was watching a movie. Actually, I was kind of watching a kids movie. I was showing my kids how it worked and everything, and the audio was like not synced. I don't think you talked about that. Yeah, because because on the Fire TV that it didn't have enough power. Right, right. So the Roku does. It's, I got the, like the latest one, but it's the there, there's an audio sync issue, and so the you know the lips will be off by like 500 milliseconds. It's That's pretty annoying. Bad. Yeah, and I'm I'm searching around. And it turns out that there's a lot of people that you know in the Plex in the you know where the Plex and Roku Venn diagram overlap. There's a, there's a huge problem here, and you know I'm not sure if it's Roku's fault or Plex's fault. But apparently, um, actually, one of the Plex engineers chimed up in their forums and said, actually, this is a DTS. They have a DTS problem. So any, you know, DTS is, right? <clears throat> Data transformation services? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's an audio encoding that supports up to like 7.1. It's a competitor of Dolby Digital, basically. <clears throat> but a lot of movies are in DTS because DTS was... I don't actually. I think DTS is lossless audio, whereas Dolby Digital, Dolby Digital supports five point one and I think seven point one, but it's it's a lossy format. Mm. Um, Dolby Digital's not, or sorry, DTS is not lossy. Um, but anyway, yeah, they've got some DTS problem. But there's this little trick which kind of works, which is you just hit 
you keep hitting pause and play and until it until it seems to be synced up and then it worked you know so it's kind of a pain because I was going to send the Roku back I'm like oh this is a deal breaker for me because yeah. they they kind of acknowledged it a few weeks ago but they've said nothing about it there's no ETA I'm like this could be forever and I'm still in my you know return window so I'll just go ahead and return it <clears throat> but then I got that fix working and I thought okay well maybe I can I, you know this is good enough I can wait until they fix it but I even do that per show or per per thing you're watching, or is it just? Well, yeah, but it's again, it's only it only seems to be DTS stuff, so it's probably just going to be a movie because almost all TV shows are either Dolby Digital or or Dolby Digital Plus, mm-hmm. so it's not a problem with those. Anyway, th- this is just technology. I was just talking about earlier how nothing works. You know, my computer screen won't turn on half the time, and just I don't know. Adobe Audition our equipment's failing. working since I know. you dropped it all. <laughs> That was, <laughs> it, we had a major been, fail. We knocked our entire stack on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Compressors and audio Monitors. inputs and mixers and yeah, <laughs> headphone amp distributors, whatever those are called. Ah, oh, yeah. Don't let me run a studio. Now, if John ran, that's this, why they put if, them in closets. I know. Well, that's why they're not on someone's rack desk. Mount, I've yes. got rack-mounted audio stuff just sitting on my desk, like precariously, <laughs> kind of hanging off the edge. <laughs> So people so, learned that lesson a long time ago. It's definitely my fault, but anyway. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, back to Salesforce stuff. Uh, the Salesforce Tower. Well, you can, actually, that's not specific enough because apparently there are, what, eight Salesforce Towers now? Yeah. The San Francisco Salesforce Tower, which they need to, they really should come up with a unique identifier for this tower. <laughs> no, that, that's the tower. <clears throat> the Salesforce that is Tower. the Salesforce so Tower. So the one in Indianapolis that they're just kind of buying the naming rights to, that's just a Salesforce Tower. Right. So I'm talking that's, about that's the Salesforce beacon. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> there's beacons well, and then there's the tower. I'm talking about the Salesforce or the watchtower. Tower. It's the watchtower. <laughs> Whatever. It has reached a full er- er- erection, I guess. So what? Uh, <laughs> it's fully erect. Full, full erection. Um, and uh, this is interesting. It's still the second tallest building on the West Coast, but it's the tallest in San Francisco. I guess that's what really matters. So it's the second tallest right now. Yeah. So all it needs is, is its spire it's, to make it the tallest. Is that what we're saying? I don't know. Does it? Ha- is it going to have a spire? I assume so. Yeah. Got to have some place to put those cell, t- cell towers that are going <laughs> to... I don't think you can hang cell towers off a, off a spire. No? I don't think so. It's, it's just a skinny pole, right? No, some of them are massive. Really? Yeah. Especially when, like in New York when they're competing for the tallest uh, hey, building. If you can, if they, if the phone company will pay Benioff to put... Cell t- a cell tower on there? He'll th- it will have a cell tower. <laughs> Everything is for sale. <laughs> well, AT&T is a Salesforce, so. That's true. Well, I'm sure there's a, there's a deal to be worked there. Um, AT&T is not the only uh, organization that's using Salesforce now. <clears throat> because apparently the investments in uh, the, the Trump relationship are, are continue to pay off. So, Two things. Well, I, I noticed today. Salesforce. Did you notice? Do you look at stocks every, on a daily basis? Not on a daily basis. Not, no. I do. I just almost had a bad habit. Like I, you know, it's one of those things. I got to finance.google.com constantly all day. I had a bad habit. I, I, you know, there's just all these things. I wonder you eat Tom's like candy. I know. Like, exactly. <laughs> Looking at my lack of a retirement fund. <laughs> but uh, Salesforce's stock was popping today, man. It was like up three or four percent, and. I saw two things. One, I saw there was a yet, and this was on Benzinga, which Benzinga. sometimes has really interesting things. And sometimes I'm like, it seems like it's a scam site. But, you know, they say there's another buyout rumor that's just floating around, uh, you know, p- private 
communication channels. Mm. But I also saw separately, and I kind of had to dig for, I was digging around because this was not on any news sites really. But apparently the Department of Defense granted Salesforce a positive classification. Now this is an Ask John. <laughs> John, what the hell is a positive classification? I'm assuming that their technology is safe enough to be used. It's, it's got to be something like that, right? Yeah, it's some kind of in, approval. A, yeah, <clears throat> approval to be used in government agencies right. or more sensitive government agencies beyond the kind of like satellite offices that do administrative stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so Salesforce is having a strong day in the market today, and for good reason. The company was recently granted a positive classification by the U.S. Defense Information Systems Agency and Department of Defense. <sighs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> USDISADD, well, DOD. I did have another thought though. Okay. It could be approved because there's a backdoor. <laughs> right. They had they had to give Salesforce time to, to code in the backdoor. Yeah. Yeah. You so know. it's in there now. Uh, the classification grants Salesforce Government Cloud a provisional authorization at impact level four, aka IL4. So they're IL4. <clears throat> uh, because of this, the government agencies and members can use Salesforce Government Clown, Cloud, Clown, Clown. Wow, that wasn't Freudian. Cloud for uncontrolled, unclassified information. Ultimately, this allows Salesforce to work with U.S. government organizations and hold information, including personally identifiable information as well as protected health information, also known as PII and PHI. John, if you're in the know. See, so you got to get these. You got to get the buzzwords down. Yeah, we're we're good with the IL four for your PHI, your PPI, your PII. We're good. It's all good. SSID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to your OPP. Speaking of SSIDs, <laughs> did we talk about this? How I discovered actually through the iPhone was like telling me that my home Wi-Fi had a security recommendation. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I've got I don't broadcast my SSID. I've got WPA two. I've got a, you know I've got a good password. How do why do I need a security recommendation? And and it, I googled it, and it turns out that broadcasting your SSID is considering is considered safer than not broadcasting your SSID. I heard that, and the reason is because your phone or your computer or whatever, every everywhere it has connected to a hidden SSID. In order to connect to those again, it has to like basically when you turn your machine on or when it's looking for a wireless network connected, it has to broadcast the names of all the hidden SSIDs it's connected to. That's the only way it can actually hook up to that network again. Mm. And so you go sit down at a coffee shop and a guy that's sniffing the network and he's reading and it, your computer's just throwing off every SSID it's ever connected to, uh, hidden SSIDs. It's just broadcasting them in open, I guess, clear text. Hmm. So that's the, that's why it's a security problem. That's good to know. Yep. Which is good because I find it far more convenient to broadcast it and secure it than the alternative. It is. That's one less thing you have to tell people that come to your house. Yeah. Well, type this in or whatever, you know. It's like, that's yeah, insane. to get in the password. <clears throat> I know. I do keep a pretty easy password for my guests. Yeah. I mean, I even I go don't. to someone's house and I'm like, oh, they hand you the sticky note. Oh, here it is. And it's, you know, 82 <laughs> characters, uppercase, lowercase, symbols, numbers. I'm like, really? Come on. So you can browse Facebook. You've got this password. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep things secure, Unnecessary. Man. Gotta keep it secure. You ever go to someone's house and they hand you a, a, a fob? No. <laughs> a key fob? Oh, no. Like, <laughs> so you, have, you, know, type, uh, you have three uh, seconds to type uh, this in. What are, the, the, what are they? Uh, secure RSA? Is that what those yeah, were? Yeah, yeah. It's like a rotating uh, yeah. or whatever. This password will self-destruct in 60 <laughs> seconds. 
Got two factor authentication at, at your house. Yeah. That's what we need. I guess though that the, the that that factor would be something you have. Because you know, two factor it's like it's either something you know, something you have, or something ab- about your person, right? So like mm-hmm. your your thumbprint or whatever. Yeah. So I guess the key fob would be something you have. I mean, yeah, it's it, you you have to have that in order to know the the code. So you combine that with your password, which you know, and that's those are your two factors. Yeah. What else is going on, dude? Uh, do you want to talk? Uh, well, man, it, it feels like a lot of the news is kind of politics stuff. So we have to dance. Well, we, that, have the, we have the equality thing that Benioff did, and we have the recent uh, continue spend on closing the wage gap at Salesforce. Okay, we can do that. So depending on uh, you know which news article you read, they either spent three million or six million. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out too. Are they saying six million total, like a, a three million with with the previous three million? Or are they trying to say six million? Because I was having a hard time with that no, too. I don't know. It's it doesn't matter. It's they're in the news, John, and that's pretty much the point of this. But it, I, it happened at such a convenient time too. Well, I don't. What I don't understand is I thought they fixed this two years ago. No, they just they just agreed that it's not something that can be fixed. It's an ongoing struggle. It's an ongoing battle. But okay. So they, Benioff claimed they fixed this. They went there, they reviewed everything, mm-hmm. and they fixed it. And now you're telling me it's gotten actually way worse than it was before? So I think, and I'm, just, I'm not trying to defend, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to balance this out. What I read from one of the articles, it said that, that they originally focused on salaries, and this time they focused on, they, they did the same analysis, but they also included bonus structures, apparently. Okay. And so uh, apparently that that needed to be equalized as well. So Benioff, so he's now saying that the problem is is you can't solve this problem. It's an ongoing effort. It's it's not easy, right? It's not easy. It's not an easy problem to fix. No, apparently okay. not. Okay. Well, what about this? This is really easy. This is so easy to do with just the push of one button. Every CEO in the world can know exactly what is their pay discrepancy between men and women. It's very easy. The push of a button, John. Every CEO. Why even push a button? Just just automate it and have it just auto auto decrement your your uh, your revenue account. He, he must have a a full you know King's membership at at Staples because that's one hell of an easy button that he's got there. <laughs> I think what frustrates me the, me the most about and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it what it is. It's grandstanding. Oh, I yeah. think what fr- fr- frustrates me the most is you never get information on the details of. Of what was what what gap did they close? What was the issue? What was the demographic? You know, what was the percentage percentage of that gap? Was it due to why was there was a it gap? due to a yeah. bias or was it due to just you know some people's ability to negotiate versus other people's not? Is it due to seniority? Is it due to you know experience? None of those that information gets shared with us. So we're all we're left with is hey, look how great we are. We spent another six million dollars closing the wage gap. Aren't we awesome? Well, and the thing about like this button, right? And, and he had earlier explained what that was. Basically, he's like, you know, all companies nowadays use an HR management system. <clears throat> so they all can have this button that basically tells them, who, you know, who's being overpaid, who's being underpaid, or whatever. And actually, my first thought on that was, wait a minute. I thought we all still needed to go through the digital transformation. Now you're telling me that everyone has this amazing digital infrastructure that can do things like that? Wait, which called, is it? Yes, it's called Einstein. <laughs> Didn't you know This that? was before Einstein, though. That was from two years ago. I pulled. I, this is the work I do for the show, John. Yeah, I went back two years ago. That's when and Einstein back was clip. in the lab, and now it's out, and everyone has it. It was that's. Oh, it was young Einstein. It was <laughs> young Einstein. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember young Einstein. What was that? A movie or uh, something? It was a movie. 
Okay. We need, we need the, the end of this show has to be young Einstein. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what we're in for there, but John will find a clip for it. <clears throat> yeah, now, now, apparently now it's racial too, I guess. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I thought that was kind of weird. Weird. I just think this is pure, like revis- revisiting the PR well. I think so too. But it's, I feel like it's getting a little dry though, don't you think? I, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things because it's it's not like it's a bad thing to go and seek and make sure that everyone is is on a level playing field and, and they're getting paid well. But I mean, there's other factors to that. It's not just boy, girl, race, color. There's also experience and, right. okay. and all those so kind of this things. Is what, this is what I want you to explain to me. Okay. Okay. So I work for a company, a big company. We have, a not, we have one of the best HR management systems you can have. What's it going to know about me? Well, it's going to know how much I'm paid. It's going to know what my um, education is. It's going to know what my experience is. But is that all you have to have to know whether I am being overpaid? Let's say compared to a woman who, again, on on paper or on a system, has basically those same attributes. I feel like there's way more. There's so much about people's like, leadership capabilities and cultural fit and and all kinds of stuff that goes into how valuable they are to the company. And I think and, and and how so how can an HR system possibly tell you that? Yeah. It I mean really that, that's can't. I mean this is that's where we're getting into ridiculous. the world of creepy and automation this, where the automation is is how does the how does how does the algorithm balance all that kind of stuff? And then I think the answer is that it doesn't. I mean so you can't really rely on that. Mark is this. He is doing the worst kind of treating people like resources. That's what that is. Oh man, what was that? Hang on, sorry. Try this again. I thought that that was someone in our people office. People are not resources. But he's really he's this is this is the ultimate resource model of humans. That you can oh they have a scored a one on this and they have this level of education. Therefore, this is what they're worth. This is how good they are. I mean that's just. It's way more complicated than that. And it takes humans manually interacting, manually managing their departments to know these things. Yeah. But I mean, there's people, there's people involved. There's, there's, you know, when there's people involved, there's imperfections and there's biases. And so I, there are, I, I do no, think there there's are, an ongoing struggle to are, go in and evaluate any, these I, things. I totally agree with you on that. But there's no button that's going to tell you this across your organization. No, no. Never, never will they be it. But here's, here's the thing. I mean, Salesforce is, is extremely conscious of this. And in fact, it, it's, Benioff does his whole every world tour talking about equality and, and, and all these kind of things. So it's, it's something that's, that's deep built built into their culture, so it's always. Well, what are confusing. they doing? What are they really doing about it? I mean, look at so, look at their percentage of male and women. And honestly, and honestly, I don't think they have a problem. They don't have a problem with this. But it's fun to pretend you have there, a problem. There is though. no gap in Salesforce. There is no inequality in Salesforce. There no, is it's so- gotten worse, John. It was a two million dollar <laughs> gap. Now it's a six million dollar gap. But but that I mean, my my point is that that it frustrates me because there is no reason for for a gap to ex- an unfair gap. I'm not saying that, that there wouldn't be a gap because of just how things drift and, and happen just through various variables impacting it. But there's no conscious bias in Salesforce that, that causes some gap. There's no one's up there folding their arms and saying, ha, 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 I'm paying women less because I'm awesome. You know, there's well, no, but, that's not happening in Salesforce. It's more, it's more subtle and insidious than that. I do think there, I do think people have their biases. And uh, then there's, a, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, first of all, humans are, they're tribal 
and not only in not only in terms of like where they're from or what language they speak or what their skin color is, but also there's you know the there's the there's the men that want to you know that just like they are more comfortable with you know filling their apartment with with dudes or there's I mean there's all and I'm yeah, those, and there's, those there's are kind of examples of that and those may be and that may be an extreme example I think there's that's not I wasn't really making my point well there's really subtle examples that even well intentioned people don't realize when they're letting biases creep in. That's true, but I mean, culturally, I mean, you can. There's a lot of companies out there that you can you can find this kind of stuff and see where it's rooted in the culture or the where the culture somehow fosters that. That I don't think that can no, be said about right. Salesforce in any shape, way, I mean, shape. Salesforce or form. has to be one of the best companies when it comes to. Well, it's a always fair shot. voted the best, and 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 Salesforce is they filled have a women. With, they have a women surge. It, exactly. What happened to the women it, surge? It's filled with women. It's filled with women who are empowered. It's you, filled with 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 everyone of every race, color, creed, orientation. Uh, I just imagine when you walk in Salesforce's building, like all the women are running around fast and their hair's like sticking straight up like Tina Turner because they've been surged. They've been surged, John. They surged their women. <laughs> <laughs> how so, many uh, how many volts do you think that is? Oh, we're, we're talking gigawatts here. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> <laughs> or gigawatts. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on oh, which movie. It's, it's hard for me watched. to it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard for me to <laughs> to uh dismiss that mispronunciation in that movie. I know. I know. Isn't that cringeworthy? It really is, isn't it? it? Is. <laughs> but also to be truthful. That's back when those were back in the megabyte days. I mean, do you even think or megabit, yeah. megabyte? The, I mean, the to, whole lowercase m, uppercase m confusion. It, this is this is back when and I'd have to look at the year when that came out. This is probably when a an eighty meg an eighty megabyte hard drive was huge. So to be to be fair, who actually used the word gigabyte back then? I don't think people even knew how to. It, it makes sense that people maybe not know would maybe not know how to pronounce that word. Yeah, it, you know, nobody even heard of it. It was not even a concept. Well, I, I mean, I, I was a kid. I, I didn't know what that word was. I didn't either. I, did, I, I thought I was making it up. <laughs> I, I can remember buying a, a um, upgrading my computer from four megabytes of RAM to 16 megabytes of RAM, and it cost me $450. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was on a, uh, I think that was on a 486DX266. And what'd you do with all that power? I think I played Doom. <laughs> ran, uh, ran a BBS. I mean, I was a hardcore nerd. I ran a BBS in high school. <laughs> Had a separate phone line for it. Wow. <laughs> I think the phone company thought we were doing something weird because I think we had four phone lines in that house by the time I was done with it. <laughs> or my parents cut me off. No more phone lines. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, back to this. Yeah. I, I, it, it bothers me because I don't think this is something that's in Salesforce's culture. So to see them come out and try to tout, you know, all of these things, and it, it, it almost seems like this, it's being used. I mean, like look at using this, look at Glassdoor. All the women love working there. They don't think there's any, I mean, I don't know. It's like, no, I know, I know. But I, I just think it's almost like there's not an issue, but they're saying, oh, well, we're, we, we keep putting money into this because we want to make sure we're not an issue. And it's what? Nothing. I was spraying you. Why are you spraying me? Uh, just for the hell of it. Oh. Go ahead, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, it, it's like those things you do to cats when they're misbehaving. You spray them with water. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a big misbehaving here. I was like, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. And that's what the pepper spray's for. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm running out of beer. Oh, I'm out of beer. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> How are we supposed to get into the meat of this discussion without beer? I need, a, I need an alert, uh, some kind of alert sound effect. You do? Yeah. Anyways, I, I, I just, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't well, know how I feel about Salesforce going out and touting this whole equality thing 
that that isn't an issue in their company. Aren't we aren't we bordering on you know the the boy that cried wolf here? Omar, we, well, I see, we, I see it more as a marketing ploy. It, it, it's become marketing. It's become this thing to well, sell that's, that's software. Really twisted. It's, it, to that's, me, it loses its its genuineness. It loses its, we're doing this for the good of the community because they're trying to sell software and they're trying yeah. to put the Salesforce name on there. That's, that's where it bothers that's, me. I think that's what they're risking here by doing this. I mean, uh, what's it called? It, it's like they're demagoguing this, this issue. Yeah. Is that so. the right word for it? I, I, maybe, but I, I understand the sentiment you're going for. It's pure demagoguery, John. Yeah. Let's see, demagogue. Oh, that's not even a verb. I'm using that wrong, but it's a, it's a leader who seeks support by appealing to popular desires and prejudices rather than by using rational argument. Mm. So, we, we might be walking that line here. I don't know. It's like you said, it, it's not like there's not any problem because in, in, any company is going to have... People just have, you know, even at the even the most well-intentioned people aren't perfect, right? That's a that you know is a thing, but I don't think it's what they. I think they are mischaracterizing it. Yeah, just doesn't make any sense. Um, well, um, in that in, the, in this train of thought, let, let's let's get all this controversial stuff out of the way. I think. <laughs> yeah. What do we have? What's going? Well, on? we have a question, and this well, this question kind of borders on confidential. This is going to be an anonymous question uh, is, or question. And is this bad enough that we need to we need to beer up for this? Yeah, let's beer up. Or do you want me to read while you beer up? Well, I guess go ahead and read. Well, I need to talk about this beer. Oh, let's talk about the beer. This is We have three beers. So this next one is, a lot of people will know this because, um, yeah, I think it's pretty popular beer, but it's by Bell's. Mm-hmm. And where's Bell's? Like Grand Rapids, uh, Comstock. I think that's near, um, uh, I can't think of the name. Anyway, Michigan. What's Bell's? It's the Oberon, which is, Brand new to Texas. They just started shipping it here. Interesting how all these beers nowadays are in cans. There's this whole movement to cans. They're cheaper, they're easier to deal with, they're safer, and they're better for the environment. What about affecting the taste? Oops. Uh-oh. Um, I don't think it does. I've always heard the cans affected the taste. Well, you're not, bottles. you shouldn't drink out of the can. I think if you're, when your mouth touches aluminum, yeah. But other than that, I don't think so. It's also, um, you know, aluminum cans are completely coated with like this weird wax coating, so you shouldn't even come in contact with aluminum. Mm. Aluminium? Yep, that's what I said. Uh, now this is Oberon, and it's there. It's a wheat ale, but it's it's like a hoppy wheat ale or something. It's, it's a little bit different than your typical, you know, Hefeweizen. Don't spill. <clears throat> but yeah, Bell's just started shipping to Texas. They got approved a few months ago, and the first one to hit was... Two-Hearted Ale, which is a great beer. You probably had that already, right? Since it's been which here. one? Two-Hearted Ale. I don't think so. I should grab a six-pack of the grocery store next time you're in. You need a whole six-pack of it. Yes, you do. It's worth it. All right. So what's our what's this political thing? All right. So I'm going to read this word for word, and then we can pick <clears throat> it apart and respond to All it. All right. Hold on. I got to be ready to read this. <laughs> Things like this make me nervous, but we got asked. Yeah, we said send us questions. And no editing either. This is going to be a this is a catch and release. Yeah, we can't cut this out. So you guys asked it, so we're going to do it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you got me nervous. I know. All right. So it starts off as I'm interested in Benioff sucking up to Trump and talking about this whole five million apprentice thing. His comment that Salesforce is ninety percent built in America. How true do you think that is? 
With all the individual customer development and app building done outside of the U.S. and their huge push to Japan, surely that adds up to more than 10%. Surely we in the outside world are moving moving more significant than 10%. And talking about creating American jobs rather than generally creating jobs in the Salesforce ecosystem, what is your thoughts on that? How does the H-1B stuff come into that? Isn't Benioff also pushing for a relaxation of H-1B rules, which is sort of contrary to the jobs for America only push? It's, it is very contradictory. <laughs> um, so, so maybe I was building that up more than I thought. It's just, it just there's a lot to unpack uh, here, I think. There is. Um, so I do you want to address them one into one, or do you want to just give so, your So the first one was like, you know, is Salesforce built, you know, a, a vast majority of it, is it built in the United States? And I think that's true. I mean, yeah, Salesforce has. Um, then they're expanding in India, and they've got oh, Hyderabad. Traditionally, yeah, they've traditionally done all their support, or a lot of their support there, right? Uh, tr- remind me, was Hyderabad a, a new development arm, or was that support? Well, uh, what did they call that? Didn't we make fun of that? They called like it like a new center, center of excellence, yeah, or center some, of excellence, which or something. is you know some code word for basically your Indian offshore office <clears throat> to make it sound you know fancy or whatever. Um, but I think that was supposedly a combination of support and supposedly some engineering. But I, I think Salesforce is, you know, 95% engineered either in San Francisco or Indianapolis. I mean, we could talk about the fact that they should probably branch out from those cities more, but, you know, that's a, I think that's a separate topic. Hyderabad! Okay. Yeah! Oh. I um, love that clip, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the other one? What's next? Um, well, in in that, what were the what was the next question? Lot, in that, lot. it was about. It, <clears throat> there's, you know, so why is it co- cozying up to Trump, right? Why is he? Well, why do you think he's cozying up to Trump? Yeah, because that CEOs need to be, you know, uh, in good with the, the with the p- political people. I mean, that's just this is just politics. This is business, and they're inseparable. I think that's what it is, and I mean. It's been great. We, that's we've. Co- I think we've done a fairly good job of covering this. How Benioff? I mean, as soon as the election happened, I mean, immediately Benioff his tone on Trump completely reversed, and he had basically, you know, was talking very positively. You can tell he's wanting to, you know, get in good and and sit, you know, have a a good attitude, a good working, I guess, relationship to whatever degree that's possible with the current administration. Um, you know, but he's, what he's, do you think is the motivation, though? Tr- uh, Benioff has hired, tr- you know, Trump's friends. He's, um, but he's he's always hired uh, high political people. I mean, he he brought in um, uh, uh, General Powell onto the board, right? Um, there there are, there are a number of the people that in the past that he's brought in from from the Obama administration. Well, there was Vivek Kundra yeah. who talked about him. Um, but this is different. Like you know, like Monica Langley, for example. I mean, she's like she's a journalist. But she's really in with the Trumps. So this is not even a political person. So this is, you yeah. know. And of course now... Uh, but Benioff seems to, to want to stay close to, to, the, to politics or those that are, in, that are enacting policies. Uh, and I, you know, what do you think the motivation is? Do you think the motivation is more around um, the, his political views? Or do you think there's something more mm-hmm. to it in terms of, you know, how, no. how that can benefit Salesforce? I, I would think that Benioff, on most things, doesn't agree politically with Trump. What is it about? Well, that's easy. It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated to being the fastest to 10 billion. Now we need that's a new one. It's 20 billion now, isn't it? <clears throat> well, they actually have to get to 10 billion. They'll, they should close out fiscal, what, I guess 2018 at 10, you know, a little over 10 billion. Well, the next one is the fastest to 5 million apprenticeships. What about the fastest to profit? 
<laughs> what do you think about the whole apprenticeship? Well, thing? let's finish. Let's finish the the question. That was part of it, right? So, yeah, I mean, the the, the next part of the question was more just talking about the the demographics of how much built. So, so we have the ninety percent that's built, and then the, the, you know what 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 is that other ten percent? Is that oh, the other ten percent built? You know where and how significant is that? And yeah. does it really mean? Anything? I mean, they probably have some engineering in India, and there, there may be the you know I don't know you know in your I don't know. If, if they've got much engineering in, in Europe or not, but it's possible. And a lot of it is, I mean, have they bought any, made any international acquisitions? Of development shots or just uh, software? Of companies in general. I think they have, but I, I don't have any top of mind. So that's, I mean, that's one way you get, you could possibly get engineering that's, you know, yeah. in another country. Well, the next part of this was, it was more about, um, well, I'll just read it again. It says, uh, in talking about creating American jobs rather than generally creating jobs in the Salesforce ecosystem, what are your thoughts? So, so he's being too, what too, too, uh, like too America centric here. He should be talking about. Creating- well, I mean, well, because I mean, if we, if we go back to this conversation with Trump and creating the five million apprenticeship, and, and of course Trump is very, you know, ha- has this stance of very pro American jobs and and bringing jobs back from overseas and and kind of centralizing it that here and and with Benioff, you know, going in and talking about the five million apprenticeships, that that that's again a signal saying, yeah, we're going to do more here in the U.S. Not to put words in his mouth, but screw everyone else. I think it's the question. I mean, before Trump was elected, did you ever hear Benioff talk like that? Mm. I, I mean, neither. He, he's speaking Trump language. You know, he's trying to build a rapport with Trump. And he, he read all these cheesy books about how to build rapport, like the Dale Carnegie stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, you talk about what they want to talk about. You, you, you even laugh like them and you breathe like them. I mean, all this cheesy crap. And that's, what, that's what's happening here. Yeah, I agree. I th- he's I trying think, to get into I think this is definitely He wants to be a part of the programs. And yeah. also, I mean, how great is it for Benioff, you know, uh, to solidify himself as, as someone who's well collected or connected pol- politically, and a part you know part a top a top business leader, you know that's that totally scratches all his itches. He loves that mm-hmm. shit. Fitbit stuff. Sorry, he loves that Fitbit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and then the other question was like, you know, why is he promoting? Why, why is Benioff talking about American jobs when he should be, just be talking about Salesforce jobs? Well, he talks about both. I mean, honestly, he talks about the the. You know, I mean, obviously, Salesforce is based in the United States, so that's kind of if they have an allegiance or a responsibility, it's it's mainly to their home country. So that's what he's going to talk about the most. But obviously, you know, Salesforce has a global impact. Yeah, and we've talked about before that you know, uh, the the market here, I, th- I think they've saturated quite a bit, and so a lot of their growth is going to have to come from you know getting into a lot more of the European markets and things like that and growing that business. You just can't take too seriously anything that Benioff is saying right now because it's he's saying what he feels needs to be said in order to get this, like this, you know, IL, IL4. You don't think, you know, you don't think the, 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 gre- the skids have to be greased to get stuff like that? I mean, there's a reason that, uh, that Benioff has been investing in his Trump relationship ever since the election. And again, it's not that I think Benoff agrees with Trump on anything. It's, this is just business. Yeah, you just you got to play the game. Well, I mean that that's that seems all like good things for Salesforce. Well, you talk you mentioned H one Bs, and that's that's been in the news. So yeah. um, one of the things that I think the Trump administration had talked about is really revamping H one B. Right. Well, apparently, and I'm not an H one B expert, but the you know it's a lottery every year. There's sixty five thousand H one Bs every year, and you just have to put your name in if you want to be considered for it, and it's the luck of the draw, <laughs> suppose, if you believe that, right? <laughs> and so apparently that window just opened with no change to the law or to the rules. So now people are like, well, maybe maybe nothing's going to happen. with." But uh, they have tweaked the, 
I think the guidelines a little bit. So I'll try to read some of this coherently. Um, Companies applying for H-1B visas for computer programming positions will have to submit... It's interesting that it really targets computer programming. Because I mean, that's where almost all the abuse is, or a lot of the abuse anyway. Uh, if you're applying for H-1B visas for computer programming positions, you'll have to submit additional evidence showing that the jobs are complex or require uh, professional degrees. Entry-level wages attached to these visa applications will get more scrutiny. Um, the, ch- <laughs> the change appears to be targeted to outsourcing companies who typically employ lower-paid, lower-level computer workers. Um, it's actually specifically targeting. Uh, there's a there's a distinction between computer programmer and software developer. Which one of those do you think is considered a higher you know wage job? Uh, software developer. Yeah, is that why people don't like the term programmer? Yeah, I, I think, think so. people t- think programmer just means someone who's like given a spec and said just type this in, just make this thing work. Whereas a software developer, people consider that more like you've got more. Engineering skills, more yeah, design. I was say, design it, it leads things. itself more to kind of the engineering aspect of things, architecting aspect of things, and just you know, coding, typing on the keyboard. So apparently, the wage requirement for software developer on H one B is thirty to sixty percent higher than computer programmer. Uh, hmm. The the big abusers that have been called out are Cognizant, Infosys, WePro, Accenture, and others. I'm, Accenture was kind. Of, I guess that doesn't surprise me. They, they're. I think they're a big abuser. <clears throat> They've probably acquired a lot of shops and <clears throat> inherited some of that abuse. No, I think you're being nice to them, but okay. Uh, the new guidelines that were released, this was last Friday, require additional information for computer programmers applying for H-1B visas to prove that the jobs are complicated and require more advanced knowledge and experience. Uh, the changes don't explicitly prohibit applications for a specific type of job. Instead, they bring more scrutiny to those uh, for computer programmers doing the simplest jobs. Hmm. That, that that makes sense. I mean, you see a lot of that. That's when, I mean, there's just there's a lot of Americans who have been hit by this. Um, com- you know, your company brings in a bunch of H one Bs to replace pe- people people's existing jobs. And of course, you know, the, the, that's the problem with H one B system is they they are lower paid, but these H one B people become basically like a you know indentured servants because. They are stuck, basically stuck with that employer for I think it's five years, and so you know, good luck if if you want to if you think you need a raise, if you're having some kind of problem, if you're being harassed, uh, good luck. Your employer doesn't have much of, of of an incentive to do anything about it because you're stuck with them, which is also why they get underpaid. Uh, let's see. So there's there's still no major changes to the system that gives priority to companies paying higher salaries. I don't even know what that means. And there's no major change to the... the Oh, there's no system that we're... Okay, sorry. Let me rephrase that. There's no system that gives priorities to companies paying higher salaries. Because that's what they were going to... That's what... Um, weren't they talking about? They were going to double the... Oh, no, they were going to make it the minimum the minimum salary for any H-1B is going to be like $130,000. Yeah. So that didn't happen. <clears throat> and then there's also no system that would explicitly prohibit companies from replacing qualified U.S. workers with H-1B workers. So that's still going to be in play. I think I think just politically though this is something that I think I would I would be surprised if the Trump administration doesn't do something implement some things like that because mm-hmm. they they made promises they made you know this this will be promises broken if they don't do something about that You know the, I think the H1B system it's a needed system for 
I mean, that's that's one of the mechanisms by which we do get these really remarkable people into this country. Because that's, you know, those are the those are the people that, you know, theoretically or that these business leaders say that they want. And there's a lot of companies that do use that correctly. And I think Salesforce is on that list. I think Salesforce from because the data is all public. If you go look at their uh, their H1B applications, it, it looks legit. Mm-hmm. Um they look legit. Microsoft looks legit. Facebook looks legit. Google looks legit. But then you'll see these companies that you've never really heard of or or these outsourcing companies or whatever they're insourcing. What's it called when you... I don't know. But you'll see like they're paying um, not even an accountant a <laughs> because that even implies a certain certifications, but like people who will do essentially like data entry mm-hmm. and the salary is like, you know, $45,000. And it's like... Yeah, that's not really H one B material. Yeah, you know, you're just taking someone who was making sixty grand and replace them with someone who's going to make be making forty grand. That's all that is. But there's, you know, it's not that many. It's sixty five thousand a year. Now we do have other visa programs with a lot higher numbers than that one. But that particular one, it's only sixty five thousand. So we should we need to be making use of all all sixty five thousand of those. That's how we're going to make America great again, John. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, let's talk about a couple more things. What do I have? We kind of jumped around. Oh, my, I guess my last thing was the, I want to talk about the Mac Pro. Did you see this news? No, we have news about Mac Pro? Yeah. Pretty big news. Is it going away? Well, it's just, no, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite. And this is something super unusual. So Apple basically came out. They, they brought in a few journalists. Um, BuzzFeed was one of them. So weird. I guess it's John Paskowski now works for BuzzFeed. So it's weird. BuzzFeed went from this, Really, I mean, super low rent, crappy, clickbaity, you know, top 10, all that kind of crap, to actually they have like legit po- politics reporters, legit tech reporters now. They're, they're a thing. Is that one of these Nick Denton properties? I don't know. It, it's a thing that tends to get controversial, though, because they, they, they step on yeah. themselves quite a bit. But I guess, you know, they, there was some little, just little event at, at Apple, and they brought these guys in, and they, um, this is Phil Schiller. He, he said, we are completely rethinking the Mac Pro. Since the Mac Pro is a modular system, we are also doing a Pro display. There's a team working hard on that right now. So I think what's most remarkable about this whole story, I know you're Googling it now. I am. I want to see, if are there any renderings of it? No, I don't think so. Oh. <clears throat> but what's so remarkable about this is it's so unusual for Apple to, look at the, the magnitude of this pre-announcement. They don't, ha- they don't have the machine yet. In fact, it's not going to be ready this, even in 2017. It's going to be 2018. So we're talking about something that's probably, most likely, over more than one year away that Apple is pre-announcing. They'll they'll pre-announce, but they'll announce it at some they event later this year. They will not pre-announce. They do not pre-announce. The only thing that I know they always pre-announce. It's called a leak. It's oh no, a- no. They I think they really try to fight those. The only thing I've ever seen them pre-announce is when they had to when they sometimes they they had to pre-announce the iPhones because they have to get like this uh, really ahead of time, like FCC approval and submit all this stuff and it's apparently fairly public. So they announced, they pre-announced the iPhone, the original iPhone because they, it was going to be public anyway. So they could just, you know, it's one of those things you get in front of it, just like Benioff gets in front of these things. Mm-hmm. They pre, you pre-insulate yourself from any appearance of wrongdoing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. The, so the new Mac Pro will be more upgradable. You know, the problem with the current one is, yeah. you know, it's actually, a, it's a beautiful design, right? It's, you know, it's one of these things. Have you, seen, have you seen one in person? I have not. There's, uh, yes, I have. It was smaller so, it was than I expected. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're they are smaller than what you'd think they are. Yeah, they're apparently completely silent, even though they have ma- the ability to move a mass amount of air through there. Right, they're completely silent. Um, the design really is well really designed. Interesting. I, yeah, but the problem is, you know, so this is Craig Federighi. He says, you know, we designed ourselves into a bit of a corner. 
Uh, we wanted, they talk, I think he's talking about the original Mac Pro. We, we wanted to do something bold and different, which they did. Yeah. You know, check that, check that box off, right? What we didn't appreciate completely at the time was how we had so tailored that design to a specific vision that in the future we would find ourselves boxed in into a circular shape. <laughs> so basically, the end of the thing, it's, you know, the, the problem we made on that is, is, yeah, it was a great design, but it was so tightly designed that you can't upgrade it. But that's that's the uh, that's, that's the Johnny Ive stamp of of a yeah. that's his that's his marker. So they're gonna I you know I don't know if they're going back to kind of the beige box or what the cheese grater. Oh, they'd never go back to that. No, but they I I do think they might go to. I mean I don't I don't think the next one's gonna be round. I think it, it's gonna be rectangular. You're probably right. It probably will be. But um, yeah, surely surely they will not. They 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 are not one to repeat themselves. They're not gonna go back. They will come up with something new. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's, but you know, it's over a year away. So that's kind of a bummer. But for those who are really desperate, they are going to rev the current Mac Pro. So they're going to have, um, well, I think, I think they also underestimated the market for that. I mean, there, there's a lot of fair amount of design professionals and, and everyone who, who kind of do use that and appreciate that. Right. There's also this, this market of gamers out there who, <laughs> no, I don't I, see gamers buying a three or $4,000. You'd be surprised, but the problem is, be, I mean, no, but upgradeability. No, no. Here's the problem with that: you, that machine is a gaming machine. When when they released it, the G, the graphics card was already like not the latest, best one, right? And but that, since that's then, where, it's a, apparently it's a, it just embarrassingly bad. It's so old. It, it is, but that's where upgradeability. That's where you know being able to upgrade it or add new features or do things like that. There, there are plenty of professionals who buy these machines because they need them professionally because they're video editors and they do all this kind of stuff. But they also have a second life. They like to play games. They like to do other yeah. things on their machines. And to buy this really expensive machine, that's, and that's it's only your work host. You're saying if it's only it's your only it's it can only be your work host, and you spent ten thousand dollars on this machine. That's kind of sucks. Yeah. But anyway, they're 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 going to have a it's a you know three basically a three thousand uh, dollar machine. This is this is a rev of the current one um, with a six core Intel Xeon and dual AMD Fire Pro D five hundred. Considering I know nothing about modern, you know, <laughs> graphics cards, I assume that's decent. I don't know. Oh, it'll have 16 gigs of memory. Uh, we're, we're way past just a single graphics card for gaming. And then for four grand, you can get an eight-core rig with dual D700 GPUs. There you go. Yep. Now we're getting closer. We need yeah. dual. We need at minimum dual GPUs, yeah. water cooling, all this kind of stuff. You, you had me at dual. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been doing a little bit of research because I'm still wanting to build one. I call it my my StarCraft a gaming rig. machine. My StarCraft rig. You're gonna build a PC, a Windows machine. Yeah, it has to be Windows. Pretty much does. Yeah. I mean, Windows rules for games. Right? Yeah. What's after Windows 10? There I think. Isn't. I think there isn't. Oh, and that's just it's just they've adopted the okay. micro the uh, Apple yeah thing well, they, they, with constant updates. So they're all minor revs. Okay. And so we're on the the major 10 for Windows and for OS 10, and think, everything else is minor. Hopefully they're not adopting the angular thing. Is that kind of what it is? I guess that's a similar thing, right? It's just it's all just angular. Don't even worry about the version. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the version, you, you silly little. Developer. I think it works. I think I think I think for a lot of people, uh, a minor rev is much easier to swallow than a than a whole new version. Like in their heads, it, it might not. It might be a, well, a, a the, really significant change in that that particular particular release. 
but it, it's not so, it's not like this whole new marketing thing. It's not this whole new thing. It's it's almost like it's easier to swallow. Because through through Microsoft's history, they've always I mean, it's part of their revenue model to have these revolutionary right. new versions of Windows. <clears throat> it's a huge revenue event. The problem with that is software engineering. And and nowadays, especially with internet and and software distribution, the way it is, the what's possible, it makes no sense to have rev, you know, to have to wait for a revolutionary new version of it, you you can roll out these updates constantly, constantly, you know, and it, it also fits in with just agile model of software development. And it's just so much easier to evolve systems in little pieces than it is giant things. I mean, that's when people, uh, you know, you have to buy a whole new computer to upgrade your OS. Half the time it doesn't, it doesn't upgrade properly and you end up with a bricked machine. There's just so many problems with that. It just, it makes no sense to have these spaced out giant OS upgrades anymore. Well, it does, but I, I think on the consumer side of things, it makes it easier for them because to them, it's just an update to their existing software. It's not this whole new thing. It's it's a it's an app. It's an update. It's a patch, and they're more willing to update it than they were before. Which is, oh, I got to buy a new OS. Uh, I like the one I have now. It works. I'm yeah. not going to do anything to it. Well, the reason I asked was just because <clears throat> you know initially a lot of the word about Windows 10 was pretty positive. And then over time, it's it's kind of if you, if you could see like a if they did like a daily tracking poll of Windows 10, like they do of the presidential approval, I think you'd, I think it's, it's been you know for the past, the past six months or so, I've, I've really noticed it tailing off. It it has, and and there have been some renewed rumors that they might rev it to eleven, but I don't see them doing that. I think they're on the right track with keeping it at ten and and doing a a minor revision or calling it a minor revision and continue to advance it. Well, I'm out of topics, and we have that we still have the piece de resistance here. You have topics? <laughs> I do. Well, let me introduce this one. I just got this today. Just hit Texas. Was just released today, at least in Texas. This is the the famous founders Kentucky breakfast stout. This is a flavored stout. It's good for everything a flavored stout ought to be good for. It's brewed with chocolate and coffee and aged in. Oak bourbon barrels. Mm. You can buy one bottle of this at the store. And that's if they, they're, it's, it's all sold out by now. But when I went to get this one bottle. What, you got that today? Yep. It's good to, it's good to be your friend. I know. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm your friend. Because you hook me up with some good beer every so often. No, I'm kidding. Let's see. The, <laughs> thanks. This is a bottle, so we it, can't do the whole... Uh, this is the 2017 release, right? It's brand new. I'm looking for the ABV. It's got to be... I'm guessing I'm guessing 12. It doesn't say, though. Mm. It's it's a big boy. It's a man's <laughs> beer. Oh, wait a minute. No, yeah, you can't say that. Oh. Damn it, Jeremy. You're not putting a marker? <laughs> no. I'm buzzing myself. Okay. So I'm, this not letting, is a, I'm not letting that this one. This is anyone anyone who's into uh, big beers. I got a lot of uh, women friend who are that was a um you know, is, is that wrong? Those are the, the I guess they're I guess they're old school, but um when, when those, people those use kinds them, they, of they, don't, they don't use them to be gender specific. Because, they kind of use them in, in general terms. Yeah. But anyway. It's like mankind. Okay. That, that kind of general. I feel like I've had so many of these. I don't know. I'm not into the barrel aged beers much as I, I used to. Oh, be. I love them. Well, they're, don't get me wrong. They're delicious, right? Yeah. This is, I mean, 
plops a, a scoop of vanilla ice cream down in this. Oh, yeah. But can oh, you imagine? Man. I know. Where's the ice cream? Or even, can you imagine? Taking, no, I want ice no, cream. Here's go, what you do. Let's put this on pause. Let's go get some ice cream because that would be awesome. Here's what you do. You pour a bottle of this into a saucepan and reduce it down to closer to syrup consistency. Wow. And then you pour that over your vanilla ice cream. What is that? There's um, there's a dessert. There's a dessert where you you put ice cream into a cup and then you pour espresso over it. Es- espresso. No, I e- say, espresso. I, I always is it espresso or is it oh. espresso? Ah, John. Of course it's not. Espresso. Espresso. Yeah. Okay. I'm always afraid I'm using it wrong. This means fast. Because I hear people fast. say espresso all the time. No, that's because they're dum dums. Call me a dum dum. Gum gum for dum dum. You know that? <laughs> I think so. It sounds familiar. It's from. Um, not at the museum. That that uh, mm. what, what's that? What are those islands that have the big uh, tall the Easter egg? Yeah, yeah. No, Easter, Easter island. island. Yeah, gum gum for dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids made me watch that over and over. Oh, uh, we have I all three. Those we movies. have all three. We have all three. I hated all of them, <laughs> but they loved them. Bad. They loved them. Well, the first one was no. Okay. Here's the thing with with um, um what's his name um Robin Williams. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. I can only watch his movies once. I can watch them the first time and enjoy them and laugh my butt off and, and have a great time and it's money well spent. I cannot watch them twice. That's, that's because most movies are not worth worth watching no, twice. No, I'm one that can watch movies over and over. You know that. I'll watch a movie till yeah, till I till I break it. I'll break DVD. I've broken DVDs watching them over and over. See, I don't I don't get that enjoyment out of like, you know, knowing every scene and knowing every, you know, being able to say every line. I, I don't I don't enjoy that. And that because I don't watch movies to be surprised. I, I well, watch them to enjoy the experience and, and to hear the story. If it's a good story, okay. I want to hear it over it's just and over. A different way. Of, it's like, you know, um, do you like to turn the radio on? Or Well, sorry. I guess radios aren't even a thing anymore. People don't turn radio? radios on. I know. It What's just, a radio? I just made myself sound old. People, um, you know, open their Apple Music or their Google Play Store and they, you know, they, they play their favorite song that they've heard a thousand times. And it's fun to know the song and to be able to sing to it, right? Yeah. I assume it's something similar to that. And I, I do like singing along to songs I know, but I don't have that movie thing where I just, I don't like watching movies over and over. I don't have that. I, I have this, I don't know if it's an OCD thing, but I will do things repeatedly. I I, I used to, there was, a, there was a guy I used to work with, I used to drive him crazy because I'd play a song over and over. I'd, I'd get, I'd have a song and play it all day. One song. Well, I'm sure you drove him crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, any more topics, John? Yeah, so I have a couple. <clears throat> they're not news, but they're just... Uh, this one's going to be an Ask Jeremy. Uh-oh. I recently did something that I normally don't do, and that was... I I don't even know if I should call it mentoring, but I, I'm, I'm going to call it that for lack of a better word, is I was kind of there to help support him. He's kind of new. He's really new, very green in, in developing in Salesforce. I want to say very green in developing in sales and in software development in general. Um, So I basically made myself available to him. There's a block of hours allotted to me to just kind of be there and to help him. And so he would ping me every so often on questions and I'd give him advice. I'd, I'd write some code snippets and send them to him and say, here's, here's how I would do it if I was having to do that. Um, well, what happened recently is it got to the point where he developed something and was getting ready to push it to production, um, but he now needed to unit test it. So he wasn't ready to push it to production then. <laughs> he wasn't ready. To- <laughs> and so... So I went in to review it. I did. I did a code review for him, so I could because I had to figure out, you know, how how are we going to test this? Because I never saw what he built. I, all I did was take questions he had. I occasionally saw some of the things he was doing and trying to work his way through. 
uh, and I gave him snippets, and and I feel like a lot of this could have been is probably my fault because I should have had more foresight. But at the time, my focus was answering his questions, is giving him tips on how to maybe overcome this or ways to possibly well, solve this to, problem. Let, let him try to solve the problem first, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there to kind of hold his hand or, or do it for him. I wanted him to learn and, and have that experience. Um, but what happened is is that the way he ended up implementing it, so much of it was was split apart and broken up in ways that I did not have a clear path of how to test that properly. Like I knew I could just, you know, fire off a bunch of methods and get it to pass code coverage. But I was kind of looking at this code going, man, this, this isn't going to, this isn't going to scale. It's not going to be easily maintained. Uh, and I felt kind of bad because I had to do this code review and report back to his boss and say, <clears throat> you know, here's, here's my findings on this code review. Really? Yeah. That's weird. It is weird. That's not a good way to manage. What? Just do a code review and report back to me. No, it wasn't That's like weird. that. It was, it was, it was, it was asked, I was asked to help him do this code review and I reported back to the to the to the project manager saying, "Hey, <clears throat> I'm not sure how to effectively help write the test for this because, a, I don't know what the original requirements were, so I don't know what the scenarios are that we need to build into this. B, the code isn't really written in a way that that's easily testable. Um, and you know, the best I could offer is maybe code coverage. Was, is this guy a, or guy or gal, whatever, uh, certified Salesforce developer? No, no, okay." <laughs> Well, there goes an opportunity to make fun of certifications, John. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Sorry, sorry. Uh, um, yes. Well, yes. They, they yes. can probably pass tomorrow, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so that, that's a series of events. Ultimately, we ended up having a meeting because I said I, could, I really did not have a way of effectively testing this. I cannot guarantee that when, when we write the unit test for this, that when this makes it into production, everything's going to be good or that it's going to scale or you're going to have some kind of automated testing that you can regression with. None of that. All I'm going to be able to do is give you code coverage. And it'll get there, and it is what it is. And that made people nervous when I gave that honest feedback. And so it turned into this whole thing of just, you know, you know, well, what what went wrong? And the and the guy I was helping, I think he got a little bit defensive because I think it felt like we were just kind of dogpiling on his I code. would be defensive, too, because that whole, that whole position they put him in was, is it a him? It's, yeah, okay. we'll say it's him. Whatever. The, the, the position this person was put in was not good. They obviously don't have the experience to be doing this. They were, but they're in this position somehow because people don't know how to hire and people don't know how to find jobs. <clears throat> and they, there's no way they're going to be successful. That, that's, the, that's the problem. You know, and this is why, like, you can't treat people like resources. You have to understand them. And not only, I mean, yeah, there's hard skills and whatever, but there's all kinds of other stuff that goes into it. And, and you really have to understand the full 360 picture of a person to know to know how to put them in positions where they're going to succeed and they're going to add value. And this whole machine of, um, you know, employee-employer relationship is going to work out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to work on a team. If this, if this person's on a team, dude, that's a whole other thing is team dynamics and culture, team fit, all that stuff. And yeah, they were just, I mean, this was, this person was done a disservice right from the start. I can tell you that from the story you're telling me. I feel that way now too. I, I actually. Sitting, I don't think you should feel bad. No, I, I do. Because you were put in a bad situation too. None of you could succeed. And that, that was kind of going to be my ask, Jeremy. Was you know what in this situation could I have done differently that would have made it might have resulted in, in a different result? Should I have taken on a more larger, uh, almost almost apprenticeship type situation where you know we're working more closely together? I mean, because but that wasn't what I was contracted that take, to do. That takes months or years. I, I know. I know. <clears throat> 
I guess maybe I shouldn't have never said yes to it. Um, probably so. And that's why, I mean, I've, I've gotten to where just, I'm so skeptical of all, all these types of things. But it's, or, it's hard. Or, because- or, or you know what? You know what? One thing I've, I've really, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I always say no to these now. Yeah. We're, you know, um, what we're going to do is, Jeremy, you're going to, you know, you're going to be the lead developer. And, you know, they have their own development team. And you're gonna, you know, you're gonna train. The, I mean, you're gonna be in charge, but and you're gonna, you're gonna make the decisions and do all, you know, do a lot of development. But you're also gonna be training them, and you know, you're gonna be working with with, with their development team, um, you know, to help them uh, to get, you know, learn Salesforce and whatever. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like, no, I don't do this anymore. That that's just that is a 100 percent of the time fail. Yeah, and I've been there, and because I have I didn't that. get to hire those people. I'm yeah. probably not a good fit for them with them. I'm always looking for the for a probably 10% of the pool out there. And I just don't have the time or patience to deal with much else. I mean, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a, I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely, uh, training is not my main thing. I've trained before. You trained know. me? Not really. <laughs> not really. Um, you showed me how to write my first uh You know, I, I say that, call. but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to, you know, relatively recent engagements where I have built and helped. Tra- well, you know, but I'm thinking of that. I actually got, I was given authority to build the team. So that was the difference there. Yeah. I got to build a team. I got to hire for my my client. Well, here's the thing. I mean, he, he was eager to learn. He wanted to learn. Uh, however. Well, that's. That's actually, I mean, I mean half that, the, that's half the battle right there, right? That, that is half the battle. However, I just think that that the timeline and the 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 type of support that I was contracted for just didn't really lend itself well for this to succeed, like you said. But I, I feel bad in this situation because I feel like I, I do like helping people. I do like training people. I do like mentoring people. Yeah, but but I, like, I shied like, away from it a know, lot well, recently. Well, and also it's like, oh, you know, we're, we're giving him this four-hour task to do, Um transform him into a good developer in that four hours. Like, come on. Like, no one's going <laughs> to succeed here. You're going to end up taking a, what should have taken four hours, and it's going to turn into this 12, 16, you know, hour, three-day, one-week, two-week thing. You're still not going to have, the business is still not going to have what they need out of this. And all you're going to do is crush morale. Yeah. And waste, I, and waste people's time. I mean, I mean, this was very much a Trojan horse because I, I originally went into this and built something for them. And then, and then he came around and I helped him work on some smaller things and he used a lot of what I did before as an examples and I told him why I did the things that I did and he took those and incorporated them in. Um, and so it was kind of a bit of a Trojan horse because we kind of had this relationship where we'd worked before and I've helped him before and, yep. then, and then we got to this much bigger piece that I didn't know was as big as it was. As, as, as we did this whole kind of went that. back to the start and I said, I need to know what the original requirements were because I don't know how, how to test this. Yeah. Um, when I got the original requirements, I was like, "This is not what he built. This is this is something completely different." Yeah, and I, I feel I feel well, I kind of feel bad for everyone involved here because this was just this was a this was a failure of management. <clears throat> well, it just I, doesn't, I guess, it just doesn't work that way. I guess it is what it is. Then, yeah, I, but, I, I but I would, it, I'm left feeling bad. I, I think the, I think the other guy on the other end felt. Oh, well, I don't left know what you could have done. I mean, honestly, the the e, the quickest thing for you to do. And the best, the quickest thing for the business would have been for you to completely redo, for you to get the uh, get and understand the requirements, whatever those were, and read probably completely redo what was done. And it would have been it would have saved time, and that you would have had a better product at the end. 
No, that's not always the goal. Or there's always there's a lot of times secondary goals. Like, okay, we want to get this done, but we also want this person to be learning and training and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but that's more than just like a little quick hit thing. That's like, I mean, if it's someone that, you know, actually went through the right interview process, and, and maybe you were involved in interviewing and hiring, and and you know, we, you know, they've, I mean, there has to be some minimum level of this person has the, the skills and the aptitude for this particular job. And if and if they don't, if there's not a baseline of capability and just whatever for this situation, then like you're not going to succeed. You know, if if someone's short on, if someone's like, you know, okay, they've got some good experience, uh, they you know they know some, maybe they've got a CS degree and they you know they know some of the basics of software engineering, but they're not you know necessarily totally up to speed on triggers and some of the Salesforce things. Okay, that's something we can work with. Mm-hmm. But when, when we're lacking on enough things, it's like, okay, this is actually hard to work with. I mean, this is not a three or four hour thing. This is not me just doing a code review at the end. Because if, if you put someone in a bad situation and ask them to do something they can't do, and then you ask someone to check that work, it's, this is not going to end up, this is not going to work out. Yeah. I, I guess I struggle with it because I, I do, I do like helping people. I do want people to, I do want to teach people but I find that when I put myself in those situations, either A, I get taken advantage of, or B, it just doesn't work out. Like, for some reason, I was not able to express or, or help in, in the right way, yeah. and it ends up backfiring on me. You know, and, and unfortunately, it's, it's the bigger companies that tend to do these things better. The probably, you know, you probably put Salesforce, I've never worked for Salesforce and whatever, but I would imagine Salesforce probably is good at this. And what I, and, and I, you know, I bet Facebook and Google and, and I know, you know there's people probably had, you know, varying experiences with these companies and employment there. But, you know, they, they kind of have to be good at this. They have to be good at, because there's such a limited labor pool. Kind of goes back to the, like, well, why are we a bunch, why are we 80% white dudes? Well, look at the labor pool, right? You, my point being, like, you can only hire from your labor pool. Like, that's the labor pool available to you. It's like, you know, you go to, what was it, who was it? Was it MacArthur that you go to war with um, the army you have or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the army you have. Like you don't get to choose another army. Like that's these are the people that you can choose to to hire. This is what you can hire from. Yeah. So they have to be good at not only not only having the the right mix of people. Like you got to have really senior people, right? And you've got to also be. But you can't. Number one, you can't afford to have nothing but senior people. And also, there aren't enough senior people. That's the that's the biggest problem, actually. There's there's not enough the senior people to fill your. You know, you need to ha- employ three thousand engineers. You're lucky if you could. I mean, over the course of ten years, hire ten thousand senior engineers, or sorry, a thousand engineers in a, in a such a constrained employment area. You know, mm-hmm. geographical area. And so you've got to be willing to hire college grads. Now you uh, that doesn't mean you're not looking for the top ten percent of college grads. You certainly you are. But you've got to be willing to hire them knowing that they may be really smart and they can do great math and they know how, you know, machines work and computers. And they, you know, they've, whatever, they've been through the, the ringer in terms of education, but they don't know how to build software. They know, they've never worked in a, in a production software environment. And so you, you're going to have to spend a lot of time with them and, and teach them, right? But, yeah. but that's your pipeline. That's your labor pipeline. You've got to bring those people in and, and mentor them and train them. But, that, but the raw materials have to be there to work with. And, but these companies, they're good at that. They're good at evaluating that talent. You know, Google is... But they've also got the resources Google, I that. would say, is infamous, not famous, infamous for their interview process. Yeah, but I mean, it, really? helps, it helps that those companies you mentioned have you know, billions in the bank. 
Well, it does. But you can take those same principles and apply them at a small scale. Just the principle of, I mean, you know, and again, maybe this is back to, you have to have money to do this, but, you know, Google will spend, and I say Google, I mean, plug in any of these companies, will spend a lot of time. They will invest a lot of time just to end up hiring one person. They will interview lots of people multiple times. And they know what they're doing. They take their really expensive people and put them on these interviews. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. How else can you hire? You have to put really qualified people uh, interviewing interviewing your candidates. If not, who, who's doing your hiring? How do you know what you're doing? No wonder you're hiring the wrong people all the time, and the people are just la- massively lacking in various in various areas. Right. It's hard, though. It's very hard. I, I talk about this like it's some easy problem that a, a small company can just, oh, oh, I'm glad Jeremy said that. We're going to do that now. No, it's, it's, <laughs> I get it. It's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. And as much as you can lean on people, whether they're employees or, or colleagues or that, you know, that you know or whatever, to help you interview, to, to ne- I mean, networking is just huge. I don't even know how you find people. And especially in this, I mean, we're in a kind of a pretty constrained employment market nowadays. Yeah. You know, no one, I mean, very few people are out of a job. You have to hire people away from good employment situations. It's tough. Yeah, and and, and well, that that and that level of I mean, companies you start to feel that level of desperation. Like, holy crap! It's there's I mean, you put out a job application and you don't get all you get is junk inter, uh, resumes. Well, that's that's disappointing. And so what do you do? You take your junk resumes and you filter it down to the best ones, and you bring them in at an interview. You I interview one or two. Oh, you have oh this guy has only you know this guy doesn't have any certifications, but this guy over here has six certifications. Well, all right, the guy with more certifications, right? I mean, how, yeah. If you don't, if you don't have the senior people who can do the interviewing, and if you don't, this other other thing, and when you when you employ experienced, you know, well skilled, well connected people, they they are your recruiters. <laughs> They're doing networking for you because they need to hire for their team. Their team has a spot they need really need to fill. So they go out to LinkedIn or they start calling their buddies, saying, "Hey, man, I got I got to fill this position on my team. We need a bad like you know." You interested? No, I'm not. But you know what? Uh, Chad is. Well, okay, great. Let me call Chad. You know, you just you network around, and and if you don't have those people, it's really hard, right, to even get the right resumes. So, so once you get them in, let's let's say you you, you deal with your crappy res, uh, resumes, and you you pick the top top ten of your whatever you're dealt with, like the the the, the I don't know. You made your lemonade. You're trying to make your lemonade okay. out of your lemons. Yeah. You know, once they're in, what, what does that look like? I mean, I, I think I struggle oftentimes is once you bring someone in and you try to mentor them, you know, yes, it takes the right kind of person, someone who's hungry, who's someone who wants to learn and someone who wants to take the experience that, that, that they see before them and really incorporate that into what they do. Um, but there, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there who, who are fine getting by. They're fine copying and pasting code. They're fine just coding and it works. They don't care how it looks. Or, they don't yeah, care exactly. how it functions. They don't know how, how testable it is, how maintainable it is. Yep. It works. Yep. You click this button and it does what, what the requirement said it does. I mean, I do it in, in, a more, in an elegant or clean way, but it works. Yep. And they're happy with that. I'm different. I nitpick over things and I want things to be a certain way and again, I do things a certain way. Again, I mean, that type of person, I mean, they could fill a certain role. Um, they're not going to be a high earner. They don't. Um, they're not. They're not high. They're not. They're not a high value player. You know. 
So you're just saying that that you know you you work with what they, a, what you're given and you find a, a there's a place a, for those people. They're right. not going to work at Facebook or Google or Salesforce. They're going to work for Joe Blow's local insurance agency who needs a Salesforce admin slash developer for thirty hours a week. You know what? That's what they're going to do, and that's fine. I'm saying it's, it is what it is. I mean, they're marginally interested in their in their in what they do for a living, and they're you know they want to just put in their hours during the day and go home and. You know, brew beer or play with their kids or not to worry about anything, not have to worry about, you know, that's, I've known plenty of people like that and they, they do okay. Yeah. I mean, are they a good fit for consulting? I probably not. I mean, consulting is really tough. I and mean, we talk about this all the time. How do you scale consulting? How do you hire? Mm-hmm. It's really tough because I'm, I'm of the opinion mm-hmm. that when someone's paying two to $300 an hour, 200 to 300 an hour, a consulting, a consulting rate, they should be getting top talent. Right. And, my experience in the consulting business is they're not getting top talent. Very rarely are they getting top talent. <laughs> they shouldn't get that guy we were just talking about. But they are sometimes getting that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're getting the guy that should <laughs> yeah, be working are. at the local insurance agency, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it because it's just, it's it's hard, you know? And in, in Salesforce specifically, you know, you see these little Salesforce consultancies that are started by people who are experts in, they're experts in selling, and marketing and how to do your sales stages and your sales process and how to motivate salespeople and how to, you know, all that. That's what they're good at. But now they find themselves in a position where, crap, I've got this little Salesforce consulting company, but Salesforce expects me to know how to, like, build visual force stuff and triggers and batch stuff. Well, God, I guess I got to, guess I got to hire a developer, right? Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you know someone because how the hell do you know how to hire one of these developers? You don't. You don't. Yeah. Just hire Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, you know, that's the problem is the Johns and Jeremys are not available. Y'all don't put me in that. Not that we're, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for that guy who works at the local insurance agency who hangs it up at about 4.30. He goes home. He doesn't think about work the next morning until about 9.30. I, I am envious <laughs> of people like that. I mean, I get it. I, yeah. I, I totally get it. But I'm, you know, I, I'm actually interested. I mean, I, I have fun. I mean... I, I do enjoy, I enjoy what I yeah. do. I, you know, it's funny when I go to Amazon and look for books to read, I will, I have to force myself to do a non-computer book. I have to force myself to find a book that's non-computer related because my default is let's go, let's go what read about, about some new JavaScript. What, what about, will you read fiction? I always pick fiction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Because if I get into, into biography stuff, I, I also get, I, I just have this thing where if it's real, I want to know everything about it. See, I, I want to. I want to go into that rabbit hole. I'm good with almost anything nonfiction. I have to really force myself to read fiction. I do. I do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually working through a lot of the classics right now. But so or, no, or, see, I, well, I, I say this. that I, that really. I just <laughs> oversold that. I, I, it's not really honest to say I'm working. I would like to work through the classics. I've I've started. Uh, <laughs> the progress is is not maybe there yet, but I don't know. No, I I can, I can put away some books, but I. I, I don't like I don't like reading nonfiction because then I start getting into it and then I want to start I start brand I, I, the tree starts you know I start with this one and then I start branching off into these other subjects that are related to it yeah and then I don't want to I I want to keep going and I guess maybe that's what the, what I what I've done with computers is is I read all these books and I read all want to read about all these languages well, and that's, design that's patterns your desire and, to learn right and 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 really I mean back to the hiring thing you know if you can find people that have really a, just a natural desire to always be learning. I mean that's that's a great trait, and 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 and, and with what we do for a living, I mean I would say really I mean well, any 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 profession 
I mean, especially doctors, nowadays, especially doctors nowadays, have to learn right? all the time. There's especially always nowadays, something right. new about our bodies that we're learning right. that we have to figure That's out. Or some new drug interaction. It's hard to imagine a job where you, Cars. you wouldn't want people to be constantly learning. I mean, um, I was talking to my, my haircut girl the other day. She was like, she's always doing these. She's always going to conventions to learn like the latest stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's it's cool you do that. I think every industry no, you don't has have some to. kind of conference. You don't have to because I've, I've no, I know hairstylists who, you know, ever since they graduated their, you know, the beauty, beauty school, beauty school dropout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've, you know, they haven't learned anything since. It's just, and a lot of people I think are, are good at being self-taught or they can just see hairstyles and like, oh, I know how to, you know, they can figure it out. But, you know, just, but, you know, that, that desire to always be learning something, learning from people that know more than you, that are smarter than you, that have tried different, that have different experiences than you have. Yeah. I mean, those are really the kind of people you're looking for. But it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's probably the hardest part of business. It's harder than legal stuff. It's harder than anything. The people aspect is always the hardest. Because the humans are so yeah. hard to deal with. They have such, which is why we're all going to be replaced by AI in 10 years. Because, you know, we have needs and <laughs> we get sick and we have babies and we take parental leave and we, we want stuff. We want raises. Yeah, we want more money. <laughs> I need to work on that. <laughs> we want more money. We want to work less. Yeah, <clears throat> AI, AI just it'll right. just work. Yeah, you're right. That that's our doom and gloom. Is us being people. Yep. Um, are we are we wrapping up? Are we close. Um, I have one thing. Oh my God, one more last thing. Where are we at? You, eh, we're on it. Hour and a half. Okay. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah. Thirty minutes. We can do this. I think the beer's making it seem longer. I don't know. I'm out of. You're beer. out. I'm I, you, boy. You've been sucking these down. I haven't had. A drink in like three weeks. Oh, that's why you're sucking them down. Yeah. Okay. I'm back on the wagon. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but you're not. I'm about to open up that case over there and pull out my whiskey. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time, John. People have been waiting for this. All right. All, All right. right. Drum I roll. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> oh, it's supposed to squeak. But- Oh, it didn't squeak. Maybe it's because it's not wet. You know, I think that I think the. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the Four Roses. I, well, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Is it the Jefferson that has a really good, you know, cork sound to it? Not Jefferson. Uh, no, uh, the 1792. Who makes? No, no. Is that who was that? 1790. Maybe 1792. That one has a good noise to it. Because we had that one in here, and I, I, yeah. I did drink quite a bit of that one. Okay, let's do our last topic. We're there's no we have a probably there may be two people left listening right now. <laughs> we scared them I'm all saying, off. No, they're just they've given up. On what? Us and this and this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can only drag on for so long. All right, Jeremy. This is all gonna be cut, don't worry. I'm all gonna right, edit this all, right. all out. All right, then then we can say whatever we want. Yeah, go ahead. Let's uh, what, what is the best way <laughs> what is the best way to transition out of Excel? Oh man, I've too many bears to talk about this. I know we talked about this earlier, or you told me this was coming. Um, this is hard. I mean, because ex- here's the, here's why it's hard, and I'm just gonna say high level because that's all my brain can do right now. Excel is really badass. It Excel is. is awesome, especially nowadays. It's gotten. I mean, just it's and with as powerful as computers are. I mean, you know, in the you know long time ago, like you have more than a thousand rows, and your Excel just craps out because machines can't keep up, and Excel's limited to you know sixty five thousand rows or whatever. Well, that's everything's changed. But Excel is incredibly powerful, and people are badass with Excel. Yeah. And so when you try to convince someone to give up their Excel 
for this thing called Salesforce, it's like, <laughs> hang on, hang on, right? Yeah. Because in a lot of ways, Salesforce can't hold a candle to Excel at all. But in other ways, Salesforce has benefits that Excel can't offer. And so you you have to convince them that it's just, this is overall a thing to do. And whether it's Salesforce or whatever your thing is, Dynamics, Oracle, whatever, right? To go to a enterprise, you know, software system. Yeah. Well, here, here, and you took this exactly where I wanted it to go because I, <laughs> this happens all the time. But I, I think, I think the reason it's so good is it's so user-centric. It's my spreadsheet, and I can do whatever I want with it. I collect the data that you want, but I can also augment it with the data that I want. And, and I can add a column yeah. and put whatever the hell I want in it, and you don't have to That's see true. it. I can hide it. But it, it's, and, I, and I'm probably just repeating myself, but it's the raw power of Excel. So powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these functions that are available to you, and conditional, all kinds of stuff, and it's just... It is just so powerful. And no enterprise software is ever going to come close to matching what you can do with Excel. Not even close. There's our business Sunday. We need to make a Excel cloud. Well, that's Google Sheets. Right. <laughs> but the problem is with Excel is it's by definition, it's, it's a rogue system by definition. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, I don't know, name me someone from Star Wars who's awesome but rogue and out of control. From Star Wars? I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with a, a, a metaphor here. Yeah, Vader's pretty rogue and out of control. Eh, that's in a bad way, though. Excel's He's one of the good guys. That's just awesome, but out of control. Really, Skywalker was such a douche. You can't really... Han Solo. I guess. Eh, he's, he was okay. Han Solo was just good enough. That's the thing with Han Solo. <laughs> he was just good He was enough. just good enough. How was he just good enough? He's awesome. Nah, he was okay, just good Boba enough. Fett. Like, okay, there you go. He was the mercenary, right? Yeah, and he disintegrates people. Right. And he is, he's <laughs> badass. Everyone, high, the, the highest powerful people in the, in the what are they called, the multiverse, the, the, the galactic, whatever, want to hire him, but he's out of control. Can't control him. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. It's dangerous. He's dangerous to the dark side. He's dangerous to the good side. What's the good side called? The force. He's dangerous to the force, the good force, whatever it's called, you know? <laughs> the good force. I know. See? This, is, this all is going to be cut. <laughs> the good force. I love that. Hold on. Show title. The good force. The there good you know. force. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that we see over and over because oftentimes people bring in Salesforce for the CRM aspect. And then, and then they're told, hey, you can build stuff on it. You can take all these things that you're not tracking in the system and put it in Salesforce. But here's the thing about that, is, is bring it into Salesforce, the main reason to do it is, is we do it under the umbrella of efficiency and, and providing better tooling. And, Ugh, so and, you're not and doing a good job. You're not selling me. As an Excel I'm, wizard, you're not selling. No, you're doing well, a bad hold on. job. That's the point. That's yeah, the point. No. That's the umbrella that we're living under. But yeah, what we're really doing is taking away functionality. We're taking away ownership of, of that tool and sticking it into this thing where, where it's management's tool. It's their tool. And it's it's and, not and, it's no longer the right. user and the user right. getting the benefit from it. It's now management's tool. And and we're we're talking about you know you know if we're talking about Salesforce, we're talking about modern Salesforce. It's not Salesforce from two thousand and three. This is modern Salesforce. It's inter, it's absolutely enterprise software. It is made for the buyer and and to a lesser degree the managers and to a almost non existent degree the users. Yeah, that's probably not fair. A tertiary degree the users. I mean, it has to be somewhat usable, but. <clears throat> And often, this is made for buyers. Oftentimes when we talk about adoption, what I'm hearing more about is, well, how, how, 
you know, what's going to make this person stop using their spreadsheets and do this? Oh, well, we're integrating with this other system. So the data they need that they're, they're usually that they're copying and pa- running reports, copying and pasting into the spreadsheets, they don't have to do anymore. It's already in the system. So they're going to come in here and use that because now they don't have to do that. Yeah. And, and, and Excel, you know, selling these, you know, yeah, these, these Excel people on, you know, converting to an enterprise system. It's tough. I mean, you have to pull out all your psychological tricks. Um, you have to, first of all, you have to explain to them the benefits of Salesforce because there are benefits of Salesforce over just, you know, rogue software, you know, emailing spreadsheets back and forth and just the mess, absolute mess that creates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to explain to them how they have to understand how they're going to fit into this new thing. And also how you can continue to use Excel with Salesforce. That, that, that never seems to be an option. <laughs> it is. I'm sure it's an option. You still want to do it? It's not an option that the, the you, buyer, uh, using the, air quotes here, that the buyer wants to propagate or wants to No, but, the, but there's still a lot of opportunity because, you know, Salesforce reporting, without going into a rat hole on that, it, it is what it is. Sure. Right? There's some good aspects to it, and there's some very frustrating aspects to it. And, and it's, it will, Salesforce reporting, and even, even Wave, things like Wave, will never replace Excel. There's still plenty of things where you're going to want to dump your data out via report or whatever and load into Excel and do some stuff with it. Mm-hmm. And that will always, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if we, if we, you know, culturally, if we create this problem of, okay, this data in this Excel becomes, ha, takes on a life of its own and it's being emailed around and no one knows, knows who has the latest version, okay, that, that's, we have a problem again. So you still have to know how to like, I don't know, have a decent process, good cultural yeah, hygiene. And, and the, the, Potential answer to that as Google Sheets, but it's just still nowhere near Excel. It's not, but I'm saying there's still a role for Excel in a Salesforce world. It's still a very valid tool. I agree. It, it, maybe it plays a subordinate role or a, or a you know sidecar role to Salesforce, but it's still there's still a very. But anyway, I mean, just making people understand that that's how you you have to get people to buy into this. Again, it's yeah. all about adoption, right? You know, people talk about, oh, we, we're created getting adoption. Well, are you really? Do you know how to do this? Do you not talk to these people? Do you know how to like, I mean, I don't know, whatever. It's like this, uh, yeah, that whole adoption thing. That's that. How, how do you and quantify that? Three tips on adoption, you know, a webinar on how to get, and it's like, you don't know what you're talking about, people. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't attend webinars. <laughs> uh, that, that's one of the chase, that's one of those uh, chasing the dragon things, adoption. You're just never going to do it. Well, I mean, no, no, there is adoption. Then there, there's it's always a you know, varying levels of adoption. But how to really do it versus you know, again, there's not a I mean, best. There's not a best practice here. No, we're talking about <laughs> Salesforce, a platform for managing CRM that you can modify. <laughs> and all these industries have some very specific things that they that they need out of software. And yet they've they've taken Salesforce and said we're going to try to do this with Salesforce. We're an insurance company. We're insurance. We're healthcare. We're going to try to make the CRM product do healthcare stuff. Yeah. And that that means that it's not tailored for that industry. And even though they do have these clouds and everything and they're working on making that better, it, it still means there's going to be a fair amount of Excel spreadsheets going around. There's going to be a fair amount of people collecting data from various places and trying to make sense of it. Yeah. And Excel's their tool, tool of choice for that. Has been for years. <laughs> but here, here's, the, here's the next part of this conversation, which is, okay, we've we've gotten them to say... We've gotten them to, to release their stranglehold on Excel. And we're going to build them something in Salesforce that will do what their Excel spreadsheet does. 
Mm. That's almost impossible. Well, yeah. Well, for, I, I, so I, I, I reject your premise. You, <laughs> you can't. Salesforce is not going to do what they did in Excel. Salesforce does. Di- they're orthogonal. They're different things. No, we're not talking about native Salesforce now. We're talking about customizing Salesforce. I have built basically spreadsheets in Salesforce. A tabled interface with input fields and and, and, and and it does what it does, what they told you to do, but it still doesn't hold a candle to Excel in terms of... It doesn't. I know, it's not even close. But here's the thing. In those situations, the customer was very rigid on, we want to take what they're doing in here and put it in here because that's what they're used to. It's very familiar and put it into here. How do you reimagine something that came from, started inception... Turn this whiskey. No, I know what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> something that started out and was yeah. built in Excel with with the power, the raw power of Excel, and translate that into something in Salesforce that has that that is somewhat usable to. I them. think you have to go back to back to basics. Like, what are what business process are we trying to get done here? What is our what is our goal? What is our outcome? Let's forget Excel. Let's forget Salesforce. What do we need to get done? What do we need to get done here that we're adding value to the organization in the way that we're supposed to? Yeah. Because sometimes what you figure out is you are solving the wrong problem, or you were solving the problem um, in, in, a, in an inefficient way or whatever, right? Or you were solving a, a, a variation of the right problem, but you hadn't quite nailed it. Like, yeah. you were, turns out you were doing a lot of inefficient stuff and there was a lot of stuff that was doing that wasn't needed, mm-hmm. you know, and when you can really, it's like, you know, have that why. Just keep asking, just keep every, you ask them the why. And when they give you an answer, say why. And when they give you an answer, say why. Do that five times. Yeah, those, those why the five questions whys. are perfect. Yeah. Ask why five times, and then you'll get down to what's really needed. Yeah, I'm going to give you scenario- and, then, and then so you you break them down with the whys, and then you build it back up. Yeah, I'm going to give you a scenario to, to to play off of. <laughs> so so you've done all that. You built something that 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 works just as well, and it has all this data integration and everything, and, and it and you present it to them, and they come at you because this has really happened. I want to build a put a comment next to that field. In fact, I want to be able to put a comment next to any field that's on that screen. And they have they have somehow gymnastically found a way Ooh, to justify the need for that. That's word. Gymnastically? Yeah, that's great. I'm never, I mean, I'm pretty sure you just made that up, but that's a great, that should be a word. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So they, they have somehow found a way to, to justify that in a way that the, 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 the project lead or, or the one doing signing the check says, yeah, it needs to have that. Okay. But that's that's very specific to the way Excel works. In Excel, you can take any cell and add a comment they're, to it. They're thinking about it in Excel terms, right? The users and, have, and, have, have, and the more that you build a solution in Salesforce that looks like Excel, the more they're going to just default back right. to thinking like, exactly. how would you do this in Excel? Exactly. Which is why, again, go back to our, you have to really break down the need here, the five whys, break it down to its essence, then then build some build some business intelligence, I'm using that in a very generic term, around what you just learned by breaking that down. You don't have to build it. It's and, Einstein. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah but let, You know what? Let's go down and file for unemployment in right fact, now. I'm just let's, gonna, let's stop this podcast and we're going to go down we're going to file for unemployment. We're going to get in line because <laughs> I want. I need that check because I'm out of a job. We just need to ask. We, we, where's Einstein? Do we need to buy an Einstein doll. You know what's going to suck is when they produce the, uh, you know, the man in the cylinder. We have the lady in the cylinder. We're going to have a man in the cylinder. It's going to be Einstein. And every time you say that name, it's going to trigger him. <laughs> going to be triggering Einstein. <laughs> I know. I think he's already triggered. <laughs> I am, probably so. <laughs> but we need Einstein to put in this chair over here so we can talk to him like Benioff mm-hmm. does. That seems to work for him. 
And he gets to go meet the president. He gets his own chair. He gets to go meet the, the at, president at, of the United States. And, and <laughs> we need an Einstein. Because for some reason, uh, all of a sudden, Einstein came and he's in front of the president. Yeah. Yeah. There are some <laughs> levels to which I will not subject myself, John. Agreed. So, that, so that's our take on Excel. Transitioning to Excel is just break it down. Well, it's tough. Ask the wise. There are no hard and fast rules. There are no best practices. It's... You, it's situation by situation. It's it's not a we don't live in a no Excel world. We live in a use Excel intelligently. Use Excel as to augment other tools in a in an ecosystem of other tools in which Salesforce plays a role, Power BI plays a role, who knows, all these other things play roles, right? But always break it, you know, you always have to break it down to like, are we doing things in the right way? Are we serving our customer best? Are are we adding more value than our competition is? You know, just Back to back to basics, man. Why, why are you even in business? How are you able to get a paycheck every two weeks? Yeah, take it back to take it back to that level. <laughs> That's a good why. <laughs> That's a very good why. How do you get paid? Because we too often forget why we get paid. Yeah, why our companies, why our customers pay our company. Damn it, man! That's a good question. That's a deep <laughs> question. You get so you get so concerned with with you know your job and your role and and how frustrating oh, it is or how your, hard it is your and, your date your meetings and your TPS reports. Yeah. It's like what the hell? Why are we? What the hell is going on here? We forget. That, Why am I doing all this non value added crap that no one would ever pay for? No one would pay for this stupid report or this thing, this meeting we're having, this useless meeting that were twelve people coming to the room and complaining about shit two hours. No one would pay for that. No customer would say, you know what? They're adding value to the service and the product they're selling me. I would pay for that. No, they would not. Yeah. Damn. This is just two drunk guys ranting. But that, <laughs> that was a good one, though. <laughs> I, you know what? That needs to be my new mantra. I, I, need, I really need to take it back to that level. When I, I always when I'm thinking through requirements I, I'm and paranoid talking to about clients. These, I get because, paranoid about these things, John. I mean, we, we we sit on these two hour long calls trying to figure some mundane requirement that's that's a one percent, maybe a half of a percent occurrence, oh. and yet we've spent like ten hours trying to figure out how to solve for it. I do this all the time. I'll hang up on a call that you know was a big conference call. I'm like, that was a four thousand dollar phone call that we were just on. And did we? And then, and then and then you think about the industry, the cu- the cu- industry that you're in. Maybe they're managing people's retirement funds, or maybe they're managing. Insurance or or your healthcare, and you're thinking, no wonder, yes. frick, no wonder healthcare is so damn expensive. Exactly. There's a bunch of people, yep. expensive people, getting 200 an hour to sit in a room for 10 hours arguing over this one percent of a problem that can be handled manually. Why is my health insurance almost as much as my mortgage? Why is you know why is a decent car 40 or 50 grand? And that's that's on the cheap side. I know. I hope you don't want an SUV because those are like 60 plus. Yes, I know. I I recently looked at it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to spend the money to fix my car, and I'm not buying a new one <laughs> exactly. right now. Oh, anyway. Damn it. Well, John, I feel like we've, I don't know if we've done anything justice or if we beat it up or we've killed it well, in, a, those, in a bad way or a good way. I have no idea. For those that missed the drunken rants, you got one. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> you know, damn it with health. Damn health and, <laughs> and, and diets. No kidding, man. It, you know, it sucks God. being healthy. Really? It's not fun. It's not fun being healthy. <laughs> I haven't had a damn drink in like three weeks and... You know, over the or you know, some good food or I haven't had some good food. We need some chips in here. That's what we need right now. (laughs) And all I can think about right now is cookies. All I can think about right now is some cookies and some pizza. Uh, A cookie pizza. Yeah.
Who serves cookie pizzas? Papa John's does cookie pizzas. <sighs> oh, that's, that's not a good product, though. It's not a, it, you know, <laughs> it's not a good product. And to that, I say good day, sir. <laughs> this is it, Bert. The thing that'll put us Einsteins into the history books. Beer. Beer. What is beer, Dad? The secret of brewing beer is an Einstein tradition. My father taught it to me. He taught it to his father. And his father taught it to his father's father. Albert. Albert Einstein. Hang on. I have to disrobe. Oh my gosh.